Today we are discussing tuition fees on the Bath Student Opinion. My name is Joel and I am accompanied by my good friend Tom. Good evening. And in our last series we discussed the issue or the idea of rent rebates for students in the private sector. And this week we will be discussing tuition fees, a very related issue on campus. And we try to make sure that as we are the Bath student opinion, we don't present a homogenous opinion. We are presenting both sides of the argument, presenting the student who actually agrees with tuition fees and one who believes that they are perhaps not ideal. And today we are speaking to Finley um, and Charlie about their two different experiences and understandings and perceptions of the tuition fee system and whether or not it achieves their perceived ambitions and goals. So without further ado, we will speak to Finley about his personal experiences. My name's Finley. I'm a first year uh, international development with economics student and uh, specifically my role with uh, Equal Access at Bath is um, I'm, I coordinate a campaign within the uni to try and uh, encourage the university to get a, to implement a scholarship for asylum seeker students. But at the moment, um, people who are uh, asylum seekers in the UK aren't eligible for student finance, which means that they have no way of attending university without scholarships. And the University of Bath does not do a scholarship specifically for asylum seekers. So we put our heads together and um, from the space of October, we first had the idea to the end of April when the campaign finished, we set up a crowdfunder that raised 6.2 grand and uh, we began talks with the university. And it's looking a lot more likely now that there will be a scholarship available for asylum seekers in the near future. In the last weeks and months, given how much the Treasury is spending on COVID, they were considering to reduce the minimum threshold for paying back tuition fees. What are your thoughts on this? At the moment, I do think the government are quite generous with the way they um, treat tuition fees. After 40 years, they cut off. The, there is a threshold at least, but lowering that threshold is not going to encourage, it's not going to make as much of an impact as they think, I think. And it's just going to put people off going to university. It's going to put people off following their dreams and ambitions instead of what they wanted to do. Yeah, exactly. And we were speaking to a student activist, actually, um, in our last series, and he was talking about that ex that exact problem. But do you not think that there are other issues as well, especially in the context of Equal Access Bath? Do you find with the people in which you were speaking to, are there other impacts besides the systematic structure of the way in which we repay tuition fees? I know, um, especially in poor areas, especially in more working class areas, I know in my school, people weren't pushed to go to university as much as they would be in, using this as a very extreme example, but as much as in Eton or as much in other private schools, even in Newport where I'm from, that I, there was hardly anyone there that didn't go to university or didn't plan on going to university. Whereas I think probably about a third of the cohort, even leaving sixth form in my school, went to university. The proportions that differ from one school to another shows that somewhere along the line, someone's making the conscious decisions to say, right, they're working class, they're poorer, they don't need to go to university. Or there's a culture surrounding that that is pushing people towards apprenticeships and going straight into full-time work maybe it's because they need to support their family maybe it's because their their family are pushing them saying 
look, you can go to university, but it's such a big debt to us. We don't know if we can handle it. And that is one of the reasons why people from lower lower working class families don't go to university as much as people from upper class families. It's because that ethics around in schools pushes some people in towards university, people who can pay it back and withhold some people. I'm I'm on a scholarship to attend the University of Bath. My my parents don't make enough money to pay for me. They have, would have no way of facilitating my rent, my um, tuition, anything like that. So I'm on a, a scholarship, a really, really good scholarship. And I think Bath is really good in some aspects of that. But then obviously, like I'm saying, like my whole campaign is about we want it to be more inclusive. But I know without my scholarship, I couldn't attend university. And it's things like that. The universities do have initiatives, but sometimes they're not wide reaching enough and the fact that they have to be there in the first place is just is ridiculous that's a whole different story and were there actually that many opportunities for scholarships because i'm sure that there's only a, a limited number of scholarship places available yeah 100 percent. and there was um for the gold scholarship which is what i'm on there was there's 50 places and we were told 300 people applied. So 300 people who applied to the University of Bath were living under, had a household income of less than, I think it was 19,000 pounds, which is when you take into account rent and food and everything like that, that is, that is ridiculous. That is so much money your family would otherwise have to pay over the maintenance loan to allow their child to go to university. So it's a massive access issue. That really is, is uh, in terms of disincentivizing um, people of low income backgrounds from going to university, just for paying off their maintenance and tuition fees. Um, it's it, it's quite a raw topic at the moment with the, the recent national insurance rises and how um, regressive uh, that tax already is by by nature. And putting, you know, that tax rise in, in that case, it was for the, you know, paying for the NHS and social care on those who are less able to afford it. Figures came out, and I'm getting these from the New Statesman, about the differences between uh, graduates and non-graduates and their marginal tax rates. Uh, but for a non-graduate earning up to £50,270, uh, they'd be paying a marginal rate, uh, which for the viewers, if, you don't, or if you're not aware, um, is essentially if you just took the, your raw income and just taxed it as it is, rather than just looking at each individual tax. That would be 33.25% of their income tax. If you earn the exact same amount as a graduate, you would be taxed 52.25%. In fact, if you are a graduate earning um, just over £27,000, which is actually less than the median income in the UK, about three grand less, I believe, um, you are paying 1% less tax than a non-graduate earning up to £100,000 at 42.25%. When we're already looking at the topic of people from low incomes and you know difficult family backgrounds, various reasons why they already struggle to get to university, and you're slapping a marginal tax rate of 42% uh, below median salary, do you think it's at this point that the money becomes um, the main issue and how much do you think it harms social mobility? The way flat rates work, they they hurt lower middle class people more. They they do by nature. And like you said, that does harm social mobility because you need money to make money. And I 
I just think that it's it's become this whole like I didn't I wasn't aware of those percentages I wasn't aware of those numbers that's appalling that is ridiculous and it does stop people from going to university it must do so when you graduate and you're already being taxed next to your peers who might have you know even graduated at all uh, and you're being taxed more you're getting less take-home pay from a family which cannot support you um and you've also got added obligations that otherwise you know those from uh, luckier backgrounds would not have to put up with for the less fortunate both ends of the stick are worse off so i i think the the fundamental question is that if you if you do come from a disadvantaged low income refugee immigrant background because you know let's not forget a lot of immigrant families have to pay the international fees even if they're not from a low income they're still so astronomical that you know i don't you struggle to pay them as well do you choose a life of debt or a life of lower income is it is it that depressing or is it or is there a silver lining here i think and I'm saying this from, from, in my opinion, from a privileged point of view. I'm on a scholarship. I'm on a very, very amazing scholarship. Bath, and the way from the perspective I'm looking at, Bath is one of the best universities in the UK with widening participation because 50 scholarships of five grand a year each is unheard of in multiple other universities. And even here, like I said, there's 300 people who applied, 300 people who fit this criteria who had to have lower lower bursaries or no bursaries at all. And we're one of the best in the UK. And there's still that choice that people have to make. Because I'm, I'm sure people didn't get a bursary at, at the universities and then couldn't go to university. And then the life of debt or the life of lower income wasn't chose for them. It was decided by a, a, a rich white man who became the chancellor of university it's that's generally very very broadly the the way it works and i think sometimes people don't get the luxury of the choice the point is that everybody should be fine there shouldn't be ridiculous disparities in the amount of debt in that graduates and non-graduates have at the lower margin obviously you're paying for something with a loan you're gonna to have to pay it back but to that extent with lower income jobs uh, which is what the government's proposing and lower income individuals and families i just think that's that's ridiculous yeah no I, thank you i think what we've learned is uh we're broke forever it's either the government takes half your cash or the landlords do so hey it's a happy day to be a student <laughs> thank you for having me guys um i really do appreciate it thank you for the invite i hope uh, i'm glad i've been glad i've been of use that was our good friend finley and tom the most important thing that i found from finley's interview is the importance of universities in improving social mobility and that is something empirically reinforced by the institute for fiscal studies which talks about the importance of that and unfortunately Bath is one of the lowest in the country. You've got Oxford, then York, then Cambridge, Southampton, Winchester, then Bath. And it, I think from the statistic in which I found, and this is what we um, brought up with Vera Hophouse MP, is that Bath and other high-ranking universities only admit 
students categorised by those who had free school meals as those of a poor socioeconomic background a 1% admission rate? Yes, and this is one of the things we also get with Vera Hobhouse. We'll get into it with Charlie in a moment as mm. well. But the UK um, is, you know, it's it's got this very complex, complicated, flawed uh, education system. There, you know, there's there's still a, a very high prevalence of private schools. Um, on top of that, like we said, the universities, you know, are very very difficult to get into from low from mm. low income backgrounds. Um, I think. You know, one thing that I would talk about that perhaps we didn't uh, we didn't cover was uh, the massive proportion of private school uh, kids who go to universities mm-hmm. uh, in comparison to the actual percentage in you know the real world. And I think about you know back to my comprehensive school experience, and I you know I, I've always grown up in a very comfortable uh, background and household, and there's this assumption that everybody is on the same playing field. But I went to people, uh, so I went to a school um, in my local area, which was still, you know, one of the best ones, especially the whole catchment area thing. So even then, comprehensive schools aren't free of the of the class and income barrier. Mm. But, you know, people who'd gone, uh, who'd been from, you know, wildly less advantaged backgrounds than me, you know, we technically were getting the same education. But there's so many more aspects to it um, that you know, there's there's the culture behind it, which we'll go into later. There's um, there, you know how much uh, support you get from home, how you know stable your home life actually is. Um, and I was lucky enough to be on on the positive side of that, but so many people don't, and we see it replicated in the university system. You know, quite quite right. And I was actually having this conversation with my flatmate earlier today, and she said the exact same thing in which you said. Unfortunately, the start line for many students at universities isn't the same place, and there is an assumption that that is the case. You know, everyone starts from the same, and and everyone has to achieve the same thing in order to get to university, but that is not the case so whether you're for instance my like I said my housemate none of her wider family went to university or had GCSEs before and I you and me we have people to look over our cover letters look over our applications for placements or essays coursework and other people just don't have this and and as you say there's a culture it's multifaceted the issue as to why less socioeconomically privileged students can get to university. But yeah, a, a massive problem nonetheless. Well, the, the main argument between this is whether it's the fiscal side, as uh, Finley was also getting into, or if it's largely the cultural side. And with that, we segue into Charlie's interview. Hello, Charlie. Who are you? Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, Joel, thank you very much for having me on. I'm uh, an economics and politics student in second year. I'm currently the chair of the Bath Uni Lib Dems. Not many students around campus, I expect, uh, are that willing to fork out a huge amount of money for tuition fees. So I think I'm fairly in a minority on this on this kind of topic. I mean, you might have just given a slight insight to your position, but what is yeah. your general position on tuition fees? There is reform needed and it's very base. I think tuition fees are a fairer option and a more fiscally responsible option than universal free tertiary education, let's say. Would you not say that perhaps your experiences in the last year, especially as a student and actually seeing where your money went, did that not raise any questions? 
No, no, I don't think it did. The, the central thing is that it's going to have to be paid for and it's who pays for it. So I completely agree. The quality of our education the last year was was not up to scratch. And I, I think there is good argument to, to ask for reductions for that. But it's still going to be paid and either be paid by me, the student or a taxpayer or a mixture of both. But then for students who can't afford to get to university, but equally want to have an experience of university, I think there should be any reforms perhaps in that specific argument or in that specific case. 100%. Universities should be free and accessible at the point of entry. I am fully in favour of having more maintenance grants to help them live and pay for their accommodation, etc. It can be separated from the argument of tuition fees. So in, in Scotland, where there aren't tuition fees, it's £530 less in financial aid for poorer students on average than in England. If you get rid of tuition fees, you're still able to go to university. The only difference is that if you're an extremely high-earning graduate, you don't have to pay that and it's borne by the taxpayer. High-earning graduates, and this is from the, the IFS, if we went with the 2019 Labour Manifesto policy of removing tuition fees, this would effectively be a £63,000 return to high high earning graduates, while low earners and the taxpayers would get virtually no benefit. So with tuition fees and maintenance loans as well uh, in this country, I know like with maintenance loans, for example, they are tapered um, so that, you know, the lower income students get more. But in that case, why do you think it is that there is still a massive disproportionate amount of people from middle class and uh, upper middle class incomes going to university rather than those on working class uh, incomes? I'm really interested to know why you think that is. I think it's uh, a big part of it is sociological kind of theories of the family and things like that, that if your parents are in high paying jobs, they're going to have expectations for you to do that. And you are also going to, in how you evaluate your success, put that against your, your parents. When we do UCAS applications and things like that, one of the questions that they do when they're investigating social mobility is do one or either of your, I think it is your parents uh, have a degree. I think it's about culture in the family. Another reason why I'm fundamentally against scrapping tuition fees is that that money could be better spent in earlier years education. If you had the the amount of money, it's around 12 billion to scrap tuition fees, and you could put that anywhere in, in education. The area that it would most impact social mobility and inequality would be earlier incomes education in schooling. And that, I think, would then feed through to more people in low income areas going to university. I think in scrapping tuition fees with the uh, with the tapering afterwards, it, it doesn't have a major effect. So I think investing first before people go into university and it's a priority to how we tackle the problem of tertiary education inequality, I think. There are lots of families or people from low income families who also have, because of that disadvantaged background, have greater responsibilities at home. There are people who need to bring some money back into the home. They're just caring responsibilities with perhaps disabled family. People are less likely to be traveling away. Uh, in fact, it's more likely to be discouraged. Do you think that there's also this cultural element as well of what is expected, you know, of the, the culture of your local community? 
Definitely that. The individual who is least likely to go to university is a northern white boy. If you live in London to go to university and compare that to the northeast, it's a stark difference. Separately, I had a conversation with a with a friend from Newcastle about about a month ago. In his friend group of twelve people, him and one other person have gone to university, and I compare that against my own experience. I'm in a close friend group of seven people at home. All of us have gone to university. There was never really any doubt that we'd all go to university. I think. Um, just anecdotally, that shows the huge difference between the regions and regional culture, as you're saying, that, that you need to try and solve higher paying jobs and higher skilled jobs requires investment in the north and i think that's how you can try and alleviate that regional cultural differences that as you say are, are leading to these these kind of inequalities tuition fees would not particularly affect that people who have responsibilities that inhibit them from going to university the answer with that is grants universities should be made to do even more than they currently are with distance learning and then afterwards it's the pay is based on how well you do and how much you get out of that if you look at tuition fees as a graduate tax, why is it not a good idea to have tuition fees funded by income tax? Because surely those who greater benefit from university tuition will be the ones on higher income taxes in the first place. You start paying income tax at a very low rate and income tax is based on the whole income you need to survive in a household. That's the other thing. When you choose to go to university, you have the choice partly on what degree you do and how much you get from that. You're going for a for a lower paying degree. So things like creative arts and things like that. And like you say, there will be quite a high graduate tax on that. You've had the choice to do that. And I think it's what you're paying for what you have chosen to do and chosen to study. You're getting huge huge amount of value in the degree you're doing. So I think it goes back to the central argument that you should have to pay the, the largest portion of that. The difference between income tax and if we'll call it a graduate tax is that only those that go to university will pay the graduate tax. Whereas if it's income tax, everyone will pay. Only 50% of people go to university. Raising income tax to pay for it, it doesn't usually work like that. It would be paid for by cut throughout other areas of government. So it becomes a trade-off between free degrees and another area of public services, most likely you'd see a cut in education because government department budgets, they don't like to massively increase. So I think it would be borne out by a reduction in spending in, in another government department more than it would be income tax. And if it would be income tax, it would hit those who didn't go to university and those on lower incomes harder than, than graduates. You know, you're talking about, you know, if you do creative arts, you're likely to earn less. Is that not actively closing the door more to, you know, the creative subjects and the arts, which are still legitimate subjects? You can study them at any university, but they just simply pay less in terms of salary. Yeah. And on top of that, you are not guaranteed a high paying job, especially even working in charity work, for example. You're not you won't be paid very well uh, when you leave. And you could do that with a with a politics degree, for example. So even then, I would argue it potentially isn't fair just to highlight the arts subjects here this could happen to any degree and in all these cases when they graduate university is there surely not yet another reason to discourage you from going to university and instead getting straight into work after school and surely is that not in itself one of the greatest barriers to social mobility caused by the existence of tuition fees um, we have to, I think, look at the average. With every policy, it's going to harm some people. It's going to hurt some people. Creative arts are com 
critically underfunded in state schools and if you're of a low income uh, you're very very unlikely to go into a creative degree. The other area of reform I want to look at is lowering the interest payments. The interest payments currently are too high. Now I think if you dealt with that you would then get a lower marginal graduate tax. On average you accrue £3,000 worth of interest that you have to pay back before you've even started paying your first repayment. If you're in the very specific example that you're living in London and you have a high cost of living. I think over the long term, that will be alleviated by the fact that your path to a high high paying job will be quite good. If you want her degree, you're getting all the benefits of the degree outside of employment prospects beyond the, the income. You get the cultural, you get the learning, you get the skills, you get the maturity. And I think you should have to pay for that. I think those specific cases of arts and going into charity sectors, you are at a disadvantage there. I think arts are great science and there's economics and there's very useful skills but if we just got rid of the arts what would life be living about you know to alleviate that and if as you say that tuition fees are are an effective barrier against going into arts if you want to do arts why do you necessarily have to do a bachelor's degree can we make an education area maybe for long life or more for the kind of foundation type that you can learn arts and you can have funding towards arts that aren't necessarily going through university doing that and then being saddled with debt. As an economy going forward, faced with things like Brexit, I think we need to give our citizens the skills to enter the job market. And that has to be the priority. There should be funding for arts that make life as good as it is. But fundamentally, university and education should be about skills and giving people the good skills. So, first of all, thank you very much, Charlie, for coming on the show. Um, Charlie made some really quite interesting points and I thought they, they were they were very very fair as well it, it's all too often that I you know if I talk to people about tuition fees because I will disclose uh, first of all that I am on the side of getting rid of them um, you know uh, but whenever I have a debate with people the, the, the most often arguments I uh, I hear are oh but the job market will get too crowded with people who've been to university or you know it, like, arguments around that which you know especially as you know, the PM has said that he really wants a highly skilled economy um, is bizarre. You and I did a module last year economic policy in the UK and we basically looked over for an entire week the economic effects of increased higher education in Europe. UK, for instance, has one of the lowest rates, and you can actually track the material impact that having a higher skilled economy just has such, such, such a great impact, so I completely agree. Exactly. So the problem for me is the clear pitfalls that we've seen, especially ever since the reforms in 2020-2011, where... While we do have the highest level of social mobility, that's in comparison to, you know, what is that in comparison to when before, it, you know, it's not as if we've suddenly emerged from uh, total inequality. We're just a, you know, we are still developing as an economy. I feel like that's an unfair uh, argument to make. The other thing is, it's just the fact that he himself admitted that, say, with things like the arts, people from low incomes, you, as he said explicitly, are set back by that. It means that we have an economy which is more geared towards something like economics, politics, maybe maybe the odds like technology degree, but even then it all suddenly becomes about salary and the, the value of your work based upon your salary, which first of all, if we want, you know, the arts to thrive, as he also wants, that's questionable. 
um, but also if we actually want a diverse economy, it's also flawed. No, and, that, and that's a very good point. And you and I had a conversation the other day where I wanted to have a look at how much I owe the student loan company. And one thing that I noticed is <laughs> that I already owe £450 just in interest. And I've only been at this university for just over a year now. So I owe about £17,500. That is with an average maintenance loan and tuition fee. And my first thought was that if I am someone of a less fortunate socioeconomic background, which I am fortunately not, but if I were, I would be disincentivized to do further higher education, i.e. masters, PhDs, just because of that, of that financial element. There is a risk to if you do more degrees or everything like that, and you're only just earning... Um, over £27,000, you will be having to pay off this student debt, which is just continually getting bigger and bigger at a very high, as, you, as we'll mention in a moment, interest rate. And it will just disincentivise me to continue with education. This, for me, all goes down to the tax argument. Because as we, we spoke with Vera Hobhouse, episode coming soon, uh, <laughs> she was saying that the only reason why... Well, you know, what she, well, she said herself almost explicitly that the tuition fee system is essentially just a graduate tax. Mm. She said there was a reasoning behind that. We'll remember what that we'll, is we'll when we actually edit the yeah. video. However, it is a tax. And the thing it boils down to me is recently I managed to secure a replacement, go me. However, I'm on, uh, uh, you know, lower 20s, you know, uh, per year um, in London. Now, any central London, central London, which, considering the the poverty rates in London after housing is two hundred and thirty five pounds a week, and the average rent is a thousand pounds a month, that's not very good. Now, once again, I'm lucky enough to be in a comfortable position where I can get the support for that. If you're from a disadvantaged background, you've got this massive marginal tax, you've got this massive interest rate you've got to pay, why would you do that? Because you're going to be living in squalor for at least a few years of your life if you don't go into an incredibly high-paid job like investment banking. But why do we want all students to go into investment banking? Why don't we want a, 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 a economy where people can gain the skills and abilities and education that they want to do what they actually want to do to the benefit of us all. A highly skilled economy with people who actually enjoy their work. The way it's geared currently is just a massive disincentivizing factor. And then with the interest rate, it is, I calculated at, at the moment, uh, the casual 5.6% uh, interest rate is already around 800% uh, higher than the average interest rate for a loan that you would take out or a mortgage so why does the student loan need to be so much higher and you were telling me a minute ago that the interest rate is based on the rpi yes rpi now i don't know the technical breakdown however i do know that the reason why cpi this consumer price index is used at the moment as is a way of measuring inflation as a way of measuring inflation is because rpi has been discredited it is a very flawed calculation yet somehow for some reason despite the fact that RPI also goes up way higher and also falls much quicker. Because it's very responsive to energy and other supply-side um, sectors of the economy. Absolutely. That is what our tuition fee loans are tied to on interest rates. Mm. So we're also, being, we're also having to pay a disproportionate amount there. Fundamentally, 
like I said with the Finlay interview, the marginal tax rate is so high, um, it's... It, it, it becomes the point where you go, okay, so what if I do this? Or I could just go into an apprenticeship. What if I went into, you know, uh, straight into manual labour? What if I went into, straight into a career out of sixth form? Despite the fact that even if you're earning more now, you're not being taxed quite so much, you, in the long run, everybody who actually has that support from home will end up earning a better salary than you. Mm. Uh, <laughs> which is, uh, once again, we, we, we like coming to rather sad endings. Yes. But the, the, the conclusion is universities have incredible opportunities to increase social mobility in the UK. As we can see here at Bath, we have um, f- scholarships and other funds as a way in which to get people to university. However, as we can see, it's clearly not enough. And Charlie did make a fair point. Why does it have to be a degree? I like apprenticeships. In fact, I mm. know employers really like apprenticeships. Mm. Um, the problem is, say, you know, in a country like Germany, where they're, you know, Vera Hophaus talked about this, um, where they are so common, there's a real culture around apprenticeships. They work very well. In this country, they were brought in haphazardly, mainly under David mm. Cameron, and haven't really been expanded upon since. If we still want to not be so radical as to totally abolish tuition fees, why don't we also then put the money, as Charlie said, into lower years education and also further opportunities outside of the university system. I think it's all, it boils down to the issue of equal opportunity. And and as you said a minute ago, it is having the decision, having the facilities to be able to choose your career and education path, essentially. Exactly. Are we going to call it an end, Tom? I think it's time for us to shut up. It is indeed, um, but we're going to quickly say hello to The Taxman by The Beatles. Thank you very much for listening. This was the Bath Student Opinion. One, two, three, four. <laughs> One, two. Let me tell you how it will be. There's one for you, 19 for